1: This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling and the elite extended universe. I'm Aaron, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis. What's up, Nate?
2: What's up? It's me, Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis, here on the podcast to talk to Aaron and a third person who will be named shortly. Um, what's up? Did you watch the, uh, the lead in to tonight's episode of Dynabite Aaron?
1: I had it on, but I had to walk the dogs, So I, I didn't catch any part of it. I just know what it was.
2: Okay. Say I caught, the, I caught the tail end of it.
1: Um, uh, well, I mean, I've seen the end of ready player one and the equalizer about 10 times each. So I'm counting on seeing tag in the future.
2: Yeah. I think uh, I have never seen the movie before. So at some point I'm going to watch the whole movie. And I'm I'm gonna start on my project to track the Tag Lineal Championship. So I whoever whoever I the champion is of tag at the end of the at the end of the movie, that I'm gonna find the next movie that they were in and see who they next touch and just keep keep tracking the game of tag. This is my uh this is the plan for most of the rest of my life until the climate <laughs> catastrophe. That's pretty much what I've got <laughs> what I've got in mind. What's up with you?
1: Uh, I saw I think I was maybe at the barbershop or something one day and I saw all those actual guys on television like doing like it's based on a true story. Um, Yeah. And they were doing press for the movie and I was uh, I was just sad. Honestly, it was a little sad.
2: Um, You know, if that were to happen to us, it would obviously be the most exciting thing to ever occur in our lives.
1: Oh, yeah. No, I mean, I'm I'm happy for them. Uh if somebody decides to make a movie about three guys doing a podcast about wrestling, I think we're probably the best people for that movie. Mm. And so I would uh definitely do the Today Show or whatever as press, uh happily.
2: All right. Who would play you in the everything elite movie? <laughs>
1: um I think Fred Savage, obviously, would play me. Oh, I see okay. it. You got I that I pretty can see quick. it. Yeah. <laughs> um what about you?
2: Uh I don't know. I don't really get told that I look like anyone famous very often. There is one person, but he's canceled, so I'm not going to invoke his name.
1: Wait, I think I wanted Ben Savage, not Fred Savage. Okay. Okay.
2: Well, they're you know, they're brothers. So yeah. the resemblance would be close enough, I think. Yeah, I but I'll say. take
1: Ben Savage.
2: Okay, a younger man.
1: Yes. Probably cheaper rate, too.
2: Oh, who's sure. that? Huh? Who's that talking? Oh,
1: yeah. Sorry.
0: <laughs> uh,
1: I, I, I tried to joined, be polite. Of course, by Mike Spears. Mike, uh, who would play you in the movie about everything elite?
3: Hey, y'all. It's your old pal Iron Mike Spears. I'm doing as well as I did last week. Take it as you will. Uh, I actually get a lot of people that think that I resemble someone. Uh, my former boss, Uh thought i looked like msnbc chris hayes which i felt like was a little bit of an insult because chris hayes has a little bit of a chubbier face and i don't think i have a chubby face so well i was not a big fan of that uh when i was younger i used to get rivers cuomo but that was back when i had more hair but i don't want either of those to play (laughs) me in this uh and we know that they're Big, not going to yeah. cast me. So. Right. Big,
2: biggest. Part, neither of those guys actors, notably. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we don't
3: like, need and,
1: actors here. That yeah. make for a tough
3: Yeah. Yeah. And Riffers Cuomo, in my mind, was behind the death of Elliot Smith. So I don't want any part of that. Who, uh, who's the guy that Lanza says you look like? He says I look like Tom Papa. The Tom Maritreff. Papa. The Maritreff. No. Uh, <laughs> I the, the one thing that came to my mind when I saw <laughs> the... Uh, <laughs> I, I'm just gonna let that okay. one. Just he is lying. an actor, so okay. But he looks nothing like me. How do uh,
2: I, I, I? I'm just the idea of being so familiar with Tom Papa that you could ever bring his name to mind is like you remind me of Tom Papa. I know, just a level of uh, northeasternness that I uh, I fear. I, I respect in a way, but I mostly fear. <laughs> yeah,
3: uh, the, the thing that like came to my mind immediately watching the last three minutes of the film tag was I really feel for everyone's spouse or significant other who participates in a lifelong game of tag because you, you have to be okay with that. Like, you have to be okay with that, like, this is your spouse's thing. Like, their thing is going to be that they have to play a game of tag with their childhood friends for the remainder of their life. Like, that's just... The, the, that's asking a lot in my mind to be honest like now
2: now so i haven't I, seen i haven't seen it and my they don't all live in the same town or do they
3: no no okay they don't i i've read the article that the movie was based off of like most of them are in the pacific northwest but some of them are like based out in dc okay. so like that's not only like a time commitment and emotional commitment, like getting a flight from like SeaTac out to Dulles to tag someone and then trying to get a flight back immediately so you don't get tagged back. Like explaining that to a spouse, like what, why you have those plane flights on your credit card bill. Like that's just one of those things. Or like imagine when you're dating them and you're like, all right, because at, at least for me, whenever I I start seeing someone that there is the conversation of, oh, what do you do in your spare time? I'm like, well, I do podcasts, and then later it's, oh, they're a wrestling podcast. One of them is <laughs> yeah, about them. much
2: much later, like <laughs> yes, they're they're pro wrestling podcasts.
3: Well, well I mean, like the, I I do have a very no, like that's the right way to thing. play it. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> i've talked to case about this like case has the thing of that like he has like a poster of grand hamada in his living room so like anyone comes back to his apartment you see this poster of grand hamada i keep all my wrestling stuff in my office so it's not necessarily like staged out that way but just explaining yeah no i do a podcast about the current number two soon to be number one promotion in the world and then this japanese promotion it's just one of those things that's not a first date conversation
2: Yes, I believe in the anime fandoms, they refer to putting all of your wrestling merch in the the one dedicated office room, hiding your power level.
3: (laughs) I I love to hide my power level. I mean, y'all have seen photos of my office. My power level is above 9,000.
2: Yeah, no, you're very dangerous to expose uh, someone to your power level right off the bat, for
1: sure. Yeah, I'm lucky to be married, of course, but I also have a Hiroshi Tanahashi keychain. And people see that more than I like realize it's going to happen, who I like have not told that I watch wrestling, and then I have to explain it. And there's really no way to explain it, you know?
2: Right, especially because it's not like you watch New Japan anymore. <laughs> <laughs>
1: right. That's also true.
2: Like, well, this is a thing that I used to yeah. I used to watch a lot.
3: <laughs> yeah. I, I at least with like Dragon Gate I'd be like, Well, I'm one of the Arguably, top five people in the West who understand this one thing and covers it. So it's like that you get a level of like, I guess, uh, expert to it. That it's like that that it's like, oh, okay. It's like a thing like this, like the Hiroshi Tanahashi keychain, Aaron. You just have no outs.
2: No. Yeah, uh, on the point of your your Dragon Gate uh, expertise. Yeah, there's you know there's there's power level, but also people respect when you're knowledgeable and passionate about something. So that's, yeah. I that's will the other say, side of the coin.
1: I've learned, uh, for you know, telling people that I like wrestling that people largely think it's cool if you are really into something, and it can be literally yeah. anything. They're just like, what Oh, that's sure, fun, sure. So, uh, I mean, I do get some weird questions, but mostly people are just like, Oh, that's cool, and it just really doesn't come up again,
2: right? If you have, uh, you know, a, a passion about something, and, and people people, I think, tend to reasonable
1: people kind of respect that and want to
2: engage with you on. I think that's true.
1: Uh, if you want to know more about our passions, you can find us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Like the Car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike is at Fujiheya. You can subscribe to the podcast, just search Everything Elite on the podcast app of your choice, hit subscribe. You'll get these episodes as soon as they come out and it helps us, it helps people find the podcast, is what I'm told. Uh, if you use the Apple podcast app, please give us a five-star rating and review. And if you want to support the show, the best way to do so is to go to patreon.com slash everything elite. We will kick off the show with the uh, very exciting segment that is sweeping the nation. Elite. Or delete. Actually, uh, we won an award today. Did you all see that?
2: (laughs) I did. Uh, I think. Can we can we like add something to our logo, to our podcast art, like a little like trophy or like one of those laurels? Hmm, In the corner, that's like, we have this award. I think that'd be great for our, uh, you know, iTunes, iPod app, iTunes podcast app
1: rankings. I think so. Uh, Mike, did you not see this today? Oh,
3: I I saw that we are the top podcast relating to Aaron Bentley.
1: Yes, the best Aaron Bentley podcast. So I think uh, that's something we should be very proud of. I'm certainly proud of uh, both of you all and the work that you have done to get us to this level.
2: I got to say, the creators and uh, deciders for this award really not going out on a limb with this one. They did conveniently wait until this was the only podcast that you were doing (laughs) before deciding (laughs) it was the the winner.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, sometimes you you don't want to really put yourself out there. You want to be sure, you know. Yeah, they played it safe. They did. Uh, Nate, I hope you're not going to play it safe with your Elite Pick of the Week. So what was your favorite thing from the show this week? I'm going to play it
2: safe, Aaron. Uh, (laughs) The opening match, obviously, uh, I think was the peak of this show. The Elite versus the team of Dante Martin and the Side Owls. Uh, This, I mean, you know, you always expect a well-worked, exciting match full of ideas from the Young Bucks and from Kenny Omega, especially when they're together as a trio. Uh, but they basically built this match around, you know, getting a lot of heat, letting Matt Seidel sort of, uh, 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 you know, uh, act as the early sort of counterpoint to the elite team. Uh, but then the meat of the match was really just letting Dante Martin show why he's like a super talent and why everyone should know his name. Um, cause his, his shine in this match was unbelievable. I kind of. I almost like he he was so great in this match and so like otherworldly athletic especially like with his with his jumping height. I kind of was like hmm, I don't know if he should be doing wrestling. Maybe he should be like in the high jump of the Olympics or something. <laughs> 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 it's like I don't know man. This guy this guy could be, you know, uh, on NBC jumping over things or something. Uh that was a thought that entered my head while watching this match cuz he was jumping out of the ring. Uh, and it was awesome. And the crowd was going bonkers. And he was also showing a lot of, you know, baby face fire. He was on the apron looking for that hot tag after getting the big comeback uh, and was doing a great job of just, you know, projecting the urgency and like, give me the tag, I got a chance at this. Uh, so it was tremendous. The elite and Kenny Omega did, of course, win the match. Uh, but I, I really, this was a great way to kick off the show. And I like, you know, Dante's, tag partner brother is is out with an injury, but they've kind of just in the background done this little thing where it's like, oh, he's associated with Matt Seidel now because they had their match. Uh, they had two matches I think even. Uh, and, you know, showed each other respect and uh, did that whole thing. And it's like, hey, you know, Matt Seidel, he's got a brother. Dante, your brother's out. Uh, there's a lot of brother tag teams going on. Uh, so just a nice little fix to be like, no, you know, we don't want to just put Dante Martin on the back burner. Uh, this gives us a good opportunity to get Matt and Mike on TV, uh, and it was awesome and pretty much the peak of the show.
3: Yeah, it's it's so much fun seeing someone like Dante Martin, you know, just turning 20, just doing insane things, and you watch him, and you're like, wow, this guy, this guy is literally the limit for him, like doing things that I, I don't think I've seen many people jump as high in pro wrestling ever as Dante Martin was in this match. It was just phenomenal. Uh, another aspect of the match that I really loved was just how inventive they were about when he was playing the Bay face in peril and he was like, get finding ways to get out of Kenny's moves and just like, the, the way that they did it, it wasn't just like normal, like, oh, he rolled through. It was like, no, he like handspringed over or like twisted his body around. And it's just like, I I want to see every match Dante Martin is in now. Like, just because of this one match, like, it has just furthered my excitement of him. And I want to throw some love to someone that I saw very early in their career And did not think a whole lot of them, other than I was like, oh, this is cool that they're around here. Mike Seidel has become really solid and we, you know, it was something that I kind of came away from like the last few weeks, going, like, all right, the Seidel brothers are such a fun act. And Mike Seidel does not feel like Matt's brother at this point. Like he feels like his own fully fleshed person and wrestler of his own style. And it's just great seeing these three like forming this trio right now. This is a trios promotion. This is a brother's promotion. This is a promotion of about dads and sons. You know, I mean that that's the major through line here. And it just was an absolute blast. Like these, these are the kind of matches that I know they like having the young bucks start traditionally the TV show, but like every week when they have the young bucks out there and Kenny Omega, of course, and they just out, go up there and absolutely kill it. It was just an absolute blast of a match. And it gets you excited about like what, what, kind of dante martin could we be seeing in five years what kind of dante martin could we be like looking back if there is no climate catastrophe nate (laughs) and and go like wow like this match here on august 11th 2021 was the start of something and it was just really exciting
2: yeah i do i hope we don't have to wait too long i kind of there was kind of like a double-edged sword here thing where it's like okay now i wonder if they're going to have Dante Martin on TV again for the next three months or if it's just gonna be like, Oh, well I want to see him. I got to go to warrior wrestling and see him at warrior wrestling now. Uh, But I just want to jump in on the, the, your point on the inventiveness of his reversals and stuff. Totally agree. That's like, you know, this is basically Dante Martin, the 20 year old kid going like even with the world champion, Kenny Omega and like having a chance at beating the world champion, but because the reversals and the moves are so fresh and like, exciting uh you just you you buy it immediately you don't go oh they're giving him too much here you don't go you know not to pick on uh like lee johnson or alan angels or anything but when when you're you know uh getting in your hope spots and and giving an even battle to miro or kenny omega or something if you're just doing like you know your drop kicks and your your kind of basic stuff then it just feels a little bit more phony it's like oh now this is, this is part of the booking of the match. They're giving him a lot in the booking of the match. When you have Dante Martin in there doing fucking crazy flips and, and, and all this stuff to get away from Kenny Omega, that just that exits Iran. You're like, holy crap, look at what this kid can do. He's going to pull it off. So it's just a great way with the inventiveness of those moves to make it for, feel more uh, uh, you know, immediate and real and, and, uh, and exciting that way.
1: I thought the point you made about Dante Martin was uh, – interesting about well how are they going to handle him going forward and I think that's going to be something to look at regarding rampage what are they going to use rampage for is it going to be an opportunity to get more people like Dante Martin on the screen and get them more TV time uh, that's mostly what I'm interested in about rampage this Friday is seeing what the format of the show is going to be like who's going to be featured on it. I mean, we're getting, you know, Christian is going to be on it, so we already know that. Uh I mean this first show, you know, obviously they're booking a bunch of big matches so that they can uh get people to watch it. And so that makes sense. So it's really going to be watching it as it goes forward to see what it's going to look like. But a guy like Dante Martin could certainly benefit from an extra hour of television. All right, Mike, your elite pick of this week.
3: I actually There was a lot match-wise on the show that I ended up really enjoying. Like, Nate picked, you know, the best match on the night. That we'll get into a match that did not work eventually. But I really, really enjoyed Darby Allin versus Daniel Garcia. I felt like that it was so interesting. Daniel Garcia, it's worth noting, he on Dark had a production library theme and now it feels like it sounded like he has like a fully produced theme now i don't know how much to read into that but it just was something like talking about young guys going out there and just having their match wrestling their style daniel garcia was just like picking apart darby allen in this match and it just was incredibly interesting to watch it was like taking the first cough and drop right into a choke. And then you have the, the nice, you you have your main course of Darby versus Daniel Garcia, but then you have 2.0 and sting at ringside and the post match with those two as well. Just really fun stuff. And it's, I think one of the cooler things about the, about where AW is at right now is the fact that they can pick up someone like Daniel Garcia, someone like Wheeler Yuta. And it's like the idea of, Oh, and it comes up on TV, oh, uh, Daniel Garcia had this crazy weekend that he went through, and now he's on national TV, and they acknowledge it. And it feels like it's a product of current times. It feels like it's, it represents what's going on in the overall wrestling landscape, whereas a lot of promotions, and this is not just about WWE here, but a lot of promotions stay in their lane. They live in their own world, but it feels like AEW at times inhabits the world. And it pulls in things like this. And I thought Daniel Garcia was awesome. If he's not signed now, he should be. And I thought that it was one of those interesting things about like when we were talking about like Darby's TNT tile reign about how Darby kind of got out of matches by being more creative by the skin of his teeth by like fluking uh, as a way that we've described it. But in this match, it felt like, like Darby still had like the cards up his sleeves like yes he is someone who has an amateur background so he was able to compete with daniel garcia there but daniel garcia had the edge there but then when it came out to pull out the big guns you got the flipping stunner and then a coffin drop and it was just a tight little tv match and it was something that given a lot of the segments on the show that kind of like the matches were kind of like spur interspersed here it was nice to have like this sort of match second up right after the absolute banger that was the elite versus the Seidel's and Dante Martin.
2: Yeah, I enjoyed the match. I, I'm curious to hear what Aaron thinks about it because I was wondering if this played into what uh, what he's complained about in the past with how Darby matches can be laid out sometimes. Uh, but in terms of just like the moment to moment parts of the match, uh, you know, I've barely seen Daniel Garcia. So, his stuff is fresh to me, you know, it's not like one of these guys I've seen a million times where I know all their shit and I know, uh, you know, how they're going from one spot to the next or whatever. Um, And, you know, he, 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 they, both these guys, I mean, Darby better than almost anybody in the business puts attention to the details on his, on these little things of his selling. Uh, and Daniel Garcia uh, seems to be pretty good at that as well. Um, so that was all, That was all very solid. I do. That's the definite advantage of AEW and uh, stuff that I think they should call attention to. On this show, we had them talking about the SCI. We had them talking about uh, the NWA women's title match. We had them talking about the Impact tag titles, all these things. Uh, No Triple Mayday mentioned, but we had all these other things. And that is, I think that's a great sort of uh, thing for them to project. It's like, this is all elite wrestling. This is, we're supposed to have the elite of the whole world here. It's basically, it's like... uh, you know, an all-star league for all of wrestling. So it's like, your New Japan guys come here, your DDT guys come here, your TJPW woman come here. uh, And that's just a great thing, I think, for the whole brand and just for keeping the show exciting that they do those sort of things. So uh, that's also a good way just to establish Daniel Garcia right off the bat here. Um, So yeah, that was was where I came away on it.
1: It's quickly going to be a very stark contrast between AEW and WWE, especially with what we've learned about apparently the, the new road they plan to take with not signing indie guys anymore and trying to build up projects uh, from from the ground floor as they used to do. And they definitely, as Mike was talking about earlier, live in their own little world. It's its its own uh, contained universe. They want to be uh, Marvel, right? And then you are going to see AEW that wants to just be the center of the wrestling world, but part of the wrestling world. And so you'll get, I mean, I think we learned from the AEW NXT thing that there aren't a ton of, there's not a ton of crossover, but I think the real reason why I think AEW is going to beat WWE in the end is because only the WWE diehards who are only WWE fans and don't care about pro wrestling writ large are going to stay there. Everyone else is going to come to this center of the universe, to this thing that acknowledges everything and exists within it, because you can have everything in AEW, not just Vince McMahon's uh, vision of wrestling. So I'm glad that, you know, that it kind of looks like that's going to become even more stark than it already is. The the About the uh, match that we're talking about, uh, it didn't bother me at all, you know, that they went... Uh, 50-50 or, or however, you know, you would break it down in this match. Largely, my complaints about the Derby match structure were him as champion and how he was booked. Uh, but also, you got a guy coming in, Garcia, which who it looks to me like they could be serious about. And they want to actually establish as somebody who matters on some level. So they did that here because people take Derby seriously. You know, I think the fans take Derby seriously. So this guy... You know, I probably care too much about traditional booking styles of like, okay, if this guy goes 50-50 with this guy, what you're saying is they're on equal footing. But what your normal AEW fan probably thinks is, "Oh, this guy can have a good match with Darby right. Allin, so he's good." Yeah. So, and and they they showed that, you know. So, that was uh probably what they wanted to do and it hit the mark.
2: They should this is probably this but probably enough people who have said this that it's hack, but they should sign him and send him to Shibata and the LA dojo and give him a bunch of Chonko uh and have him in there with Clark Connors and Alex Coughlin and these guys, uh just for just
1: for finishing school on Daniel Garcia. And give him steroids, I think. That's well, also that was, what I would do. Chonko,
2: chonko is steroids, I think.
1: Okay. Right? Sorry. Yeah. I didn't pick up on the lingo there. No, it's not. It's like a big stew. <laughs> Oh, right, right, right. This dude. Yeah. He needs that. That's fine. I mean, that that's okay versus steroids. I mean, he's a young man. He probably can put on the weight. Uh, my pick for the week, I'm going to keep it simple. The biggest star on this show was Britt Baker. Is there any any real question about that? Uh, she came out. They, you know, this is really said so much as to be hacked, but they handled her as you should somebody in their hometown. She came out. Uh, the crowd was you know, going insane for her. She had a great promo. I mean, a really great promo. I was worried last week that she was going to start getting into kind of rote babyface stuff. This had that. I mean, she was obviously the babyface. They booed Red Velvet out of the building when she came out. Uh, but she had that edge to her that she has to have. And it was excellent. Uh, the crowd ate it up. She felt like a star. She looked like a star. Everything was perfect. I can't say anything else about the promo. It was just great.
2: Yeah, I don't know if I have anything to say about the promo, really. It was it was uh, on point. The crowd reacted huge to it. That was all successful. Um, you know, they are, are doing the big push to this being the main event on Rampage. So that's good that they're, you know, giving it a little more lead time and just you know, trying to run a hot angle with the red velvet, uh, uh pull apart and stuff before the rampage show. It was, <laughs> I don't know if it was quite edge, but it was, it was, it ventured into, Oh, is she about to do like your city's sports team sucks heel stuff here? <laughs> and that kind of made me wary. Like, Oh, that's, that's kind of hack. But she kind of just was like, I'm, I'm your one champion. And I guess didn't really get into it. Uh, so that threw me for a loop a little bit. But yeah, totally, totally successful.
3: I think the thing that really stuck out to me about this was the fact that Erin's brought up that she kept her edge here, that she really presented herself as like, I am the star of Pittsburgh. I am the one that's going to bring, I am your champion. I'm going to keep on being your champion here. And having that edge there, like she has so much more confidence you could like see cutting those style of promos versus whenever she veers into the Bayface light, like it's very apparent. And the way they played up there, and like the little touches, like this might just be me not noticing before the fact that she got more pyro this week, or at least more pyro that I noticed, including the what was my favorite pyro that I, I would always put in when I was playing uh, WWE video games was Christian's rain pyro that he yeah. would have. The fact that she had it coming down from the chandelier light was really sick and like they made sure to keep that one going for like a just long enough that like you get the cool effect of the rain pyro going in there and i thought everything about that and it's something that they really do a great job here is they make it feel like that's a special thing when they do something for the city that they're in like that whenever they decide to like bring out david crockett in charlotte whenever they like would do these things. I feel like that it's something that is just a nice touch. And again, it shows that you inhabit in the world versus living in your own world. And just like full marks across the board on how they've been handling both Brit and the red velvet leading up to this title match and made it hitting the first night of rampage.
2: Yeah. That's something we've talked about since the beginning of the promotion is that they do a good job, both trying to do like special branded dynamites where there might be some kind of special theme or whatever. And like calling attention and actually inhabiting, you know, whatever geographic location they're doing a show from. Uh, And I was just thinking about, uh, thinking about the video game. Like that was, that's such like an appeal of college football. It's like, Oh, here's, this stadium with its special traditions and this special fan culture and it would become like a selling point for the video game they'd be like oh see them you know in death valley and clemson and they'd have the rock at clemson and run down the hill and all this shit uh and it's just so funny that the wwe is like no we don't we don't want any of that special stuff we want it to feel like the same corporate symposium from any arena usa every single week like what a weird bizarre alien choice
1: Our listener elite of the week comes from uh, our patron, I Am The Table, Drew, edited, blank, last name. Uh, His elite pick, Paul White versus QT Marshall. Uh, No more BS in AEW falls because Paul White is here. Yeah, that was a surprise.
2: Was not (laughs) expecting Paul White to be out for the save. I thought thought maybe it was going to be... With Brock Anderson it was like oh I've got to I've got to stick up for my fellow son I'm a son and you're a son and I got to come out here and save my son from the evil QT who hates all sons um but no it was it was no more BS Paul White he said I've had enough of this BS QT
1: Uh we haven't talked yet about the great uh Nyla versus Chris match Chris of course the aliens or the galaxy's greatest alien but I do need the attention of all the listeners Across the galaxy, all the way from Australia to Houston, do we have a pew problem? (laughs) 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 No, we need insert (laughs) space music here. You guys got any space (laughs) music?
2: (laughs) I
3: I was trying to do a Parsons project there.
2: Okay. Thank you. That'd be good. Yeah.
1: Uh, If you do have a pew problem, our friends at Manscaped have cleared you for takeoff. With their fourth generation and brand new lawnmower 4.0. Kick your pubes to the next planet with the performance package 4.0. Let me let me suggest to Manscaped here: do the climate apocalypse on your pubes. That would be good. <laughs> that would be good. Uh ad copy for them. Uh yeah. Manscaped.com. Get your rocket ready by going to manscaped.com. 20% off. Free shipping with the code This IS. Uh, if you want an out-of-world experience. You got to get the Performance Package 4.0 for Manscaped. It's taken off not only in the US, but in Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. It's a lot of places. Uh, they got the Lawnmower 4.0. You guys know all about that. It's uh, the newest lawnmower, it will guide you on a journey to trim your body, balls, <laughs> <laughs> but and even uranus did dave Meltzer write this <laughs> uh yeah we all know about the the lawnmower 4.0 it rocks uh it also has the led spotlight you can turn on and off we get the weed whacker the little astronaut to chop your worst weeds up top and your nose and ear somebody had a lot of fun writing this ad copy uh we also have the crop preserver the ball deodorant and the crop reviver you can use, you know, at the end of a long day to help your little planets be on their A game. And Manscaped even throws in two free gifts the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. So abort hairy balls and Buzz Lightyear, that Woody with Manscaped. Uh, you get 20% off free shipping with the code thisis at manscaped.com that's 20% off and free shipping with the code this is at manscaped.com. your dick and balls need some help for a clean trinity and beyond your space balls will thank you <laughs> wow yeah all right let's talk <laughs> let's talk about what we did not like from this week's episode honestly
2: i was in the uh this weekend i went i met uh my friend's new girlfriend and, yeah. and, and sat down, sat down and uh, at the, we were sitting outside at the, at this bar. Uh, and the first thing she said to me was she complimented me on my beard. And I'm like, Oh, thank you. I, I actually, I just, I just trimmed it before I came cause it was kind of out of control. And I was like, Oh, I'm meeting a new person. Uh, and my friend says, Oh, is that manscaped? <laughs> uh, I had to be like, no, I'll, no, you're not really supposed to use the manscaped on your face. I mean, you could, but it's, you know, dedicated for, for trimming your, 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 your pubes and stuff. So it's not, This was the first conversation I ever had with this woman was, uh, and then it got into, and then he's like, well, you have, don't you have multiple of them? I'm like, yeah, well, technically I do. I think I have both the, both the 2.0 and the 4.0. And she gets, she goes, oh, what's the difference? Then I have to explain the difference in the 2.0 lawnmower and the 4.0. Like there's a light on it. You can turn the light on and off. Like I was not expecting to talk this much about Manscaped upon meeting you. Uh, But that happened.
1: Yeah, my my trick is I use the 3.0 for the minimal uh, facial hair that I have, and I use the 4.0 for for pube trimming.
2: There you go. Yeah, I mean, you know, you keep them separate. You got a bonus. It certainly works. That's right. That's right. Uh,
1: Okay. We'll talk about the bad stuff. Honestly, I kind of the show had bad vibes for me, which I'm sure we'll get into at, at some point. Uh, But not a lot of bad stuff on the show, I didn't think. So I'm interested to hear what you all thought were the worst things on the show. Nate, you first.
2: Yeah, no, I pretty much agree with that assessment. I think they kind of just took away everything I was excited for on this show. So it was like, we've been on a good streak lately, Dynamite being like, yes, it's Wednesday. There's a big Dynamite. I'm going to get excited. I'm going to watch it and then talk about it. Uh, But this was like, well you know, you had all the heels winning and getting heat here that you took away the fun Dan Lambert thing that was supposed to be on this show. So it kind of just like, you, they announced like the Christian match for the pay-per-view, which is like kind of a disappointment. So like, even though there wasn't a lot of individually poor segments, it was not a show that like heightened my hype and heightened my excitement about the uh, the promotion. It it basically decreased, uh, you know, how I felt about getting excited about things. Uh, Just because, you know, it's just the accumulation of all those little things. But uh, also accumulating across this show, and this is another thing where they do this all the time. uh, In some weeks, it bothers you. In some weeks, it didn't. It felt like every match on this show had, you know, everybody in this promotion has a faction. Everybody has a manager. uh, And you're doing your faction warfare. So when you're having your match, you got to get everybody on TV. So everybody's out there for every match. And then because... All your matches are face versus heel. You have your heel faction out there, so the heel people at ringside they have to get involved and they have to do distractions. Uh, and it is kind of played out with those themes over and over and over again throughout the show. Uh, I mean, yeah, you know, honestly, the first match because you were having the elite go up against a you know a, a team that's not pushed, a team that's basically you know uh, focused around pushing a young up and com- coming kid and Dante Martin. They didn't have to you know rely on the the Cutler and Nakazawa stuff that they typically would but certainly they were still there and, and 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 playing an element the Darby versus daniel match you had 2.0 out there and they were doing distractions and then you had to have sting get involved with them to set up the tag match so you got you know more overbooking on that the orange cassidy six man with matt hardy and private party just had a ton of shit with people around the ring. Cause the Hardy family office has 15 people in it. So you've got Jack Evans leading directly into the finish, doing a distraction on the apron. That's, you know, that's even worse than the previous one. You have the run in the run in for the next match takes place during this match. So instead of, instead of the women's match, having the <laughs> overbook, they did it during this match and then just had the match afterwards. Um, Yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty much the, the story of, of the show is just so much, faction distractions and attack angles and up and down. It's like, okay, I get it. You know, there's heels out here. They're going to get up on the apron. They're going to try to cheat. Uh, and just when they do it every time, it kind of wears on you.
3: It, it's something where when you have all these factions, when you have like multiple heel factions at the same time, you have to have something to differentiate what's going on with them. Because, with the HFO, they just cheat incessantly and they get involved in every single match that they're a part of, either on Dynamite or I assume will be on Rampage, but also on Dark and Elevation. And then you have the Elite. Like, it was nice the fact that that the Bucks and Kenny didn't have to do anything like this, but then you had the absolute schmoz that happened in the Impact Tag Team title match. And it's just something that, like, there's other ways you could have people act heelish other than interfering. And yes, that like the people that believe the conceit that the winner's purse matters. So they do have incentives to make sure that their friends win it. You, you know, that makes sense. But it, it just felt like, so you had uh Jerry, you had a baby face cheat in the main event. And then with the exception really, because I don't remember there being much interference or anything between Darby Allen and, and Daniel Garcia. After the that match, it had three straight matches that had some sort of outside well, yeah, hijinks.
2: Two two point got up on the up on the stair steps and were distracting Darby when he was like going for his top rope move or whatever. um So it's it the same distraction thing okay. that Jack Evans did in the next match. So it yeah you you can't find a place where it's not on here.
3: Yeah, and it's it's one of those things that like. I actually like the that idea. That could have been during an
2: ad break. I'm, I'm going to edit myself. That might have been during an ad break, so maybe it wasn't on TV.
3: Yeah, I mean, that might be why I don't remember it as well. So that makes sense. But uh, like the one thing that I actually did kind of like about the heels thing or the, interfe- the countless interference was during HFO versus Best Friends when Nyla Rose came out and attacked Chris Statlander before the match. And that kind of played into their match happening right after that i thought like that but like you have to find some way to differentiate at this point if you have all these heel groups and each of them cheat the exact same way there's just like you're just kind of overloaded with it at a certain point and you have to find like some way to differentiate between the elite and hfo and nyla and really all the heels like F- team ftw does it the exact same way too so they gotta right. figure out some way to like make it different because it does come off same and just overwhelming at one point
2: yeah, all the heel factions have the gimmick of, we have a bunch of guys that are going to cheat on our behalf. It would be great. I mean, Dan Lambert, they took him off the show. It'd be great if his gimmick was like, no, we believe the ring and the rules are sacred or whatever. We're never going to cheat. We're going to respect the rules. We're going to make you respect the rules. You know, because he's doing a cornet thing. He should do the, he should do the like Jim Ross thing. Oh, I love the rules. I, you know, the, you got to have the five count on the tags and all this stuff. That would at least give him something distinct. They can still be heels, but then they don't have to do the, the cheating like every other heel faction
1: does. Remember when FTR did the tag rope thing and then like, yeah, Yeah. last time they wrestled, Jim Ross was like, Oh yeah, they got the tag rope in this match. It's in their contract. It's like, well, nobody's mentioned that in eight months approximately. So that's cool. Uh,
2: That was an idea that played right into their characters. I was like, okay, yes, this, this is a, a good sort of heel tactic that sets you apart from just all the other.
0: In the hobby. It's not easy being a fan I'm getting I was able to open an arena club slab pack and and I'll be honest it was a lot better than what you normally do say you go to a card show and there's a random innocuous brown bag of cards and yeah you can open it and look it's gonna be junk you're you you know what I mean like you know what you're probably gonna get in those maybe you find that fun and sometimes I do sometimes I like just opening up cards and saying hey look at some random cards or whatever but if you're really in this game to to find value and find particular cards Off again, that's arena club.com/slash VOW net, arena club.com/slash VOW net for 10% off your first purchase on Arena Club. And we thank them for sponsoring the Voices of the Wrestling Podcast Network.
2: Heel teams of schmucks cheating,
1: yeah, but instead, they just had totally interfere in the matches instead of really right. focusing on that at all so (laughs) yeah i mean that's definitely the worst part of aw i think is just the constant interference the constant distractions the constant uh you know somebody has to attack somebody after every match um so yeah i agree it sucks uh maybe rampage will be you know pure title rules only um that's my suggestion to tony khan Uh, Mike, what was your thing that you would like to delete from the show this week? Well, Nate usually picks
3: overwhelming things here. So actually, I get to introduce it here. That main event just stank. Like, it was something that Chris Jericho was able to get through everything else here and then up to this match. And AB, we talked about this. Like, this was going to be a match that would have been somewhat of a bellwether of the night. Like... If it was going to be an exceptional night, then this match probably would have been a whole lot of fun. If it was going to be middling or not great, then this match would have been disappointing. And, you know, this was just kind of disappointing. And then Chris Jericho cheated at the at the end. The one thing I'll say that is positive, Wardlow popped up at 3.1 and then was not selling anything afterwards and did a really sick single-leg like, takedown with Sammy Guevara like in the background of the schmaz in the main event after the main event, but just was like one of those things that like Wardlow's in his, uh, secondary hometown. Like you put him in the main event here and we like Wardlow, like the one thing that they really do is that he's someone that they aren't concerned about losing him, losing his heat. He takes a lot of high profile losses here. And Jericho just did not look really good at this match at all. And it's something that, Last week, it was charming because it was with Juventud Guerrera. And it was just like, okay, this is kind of funny and just kind of bizarre in a way because the juice was loose. Here, it just was just not a, not good. And it just was like... And, and on a show where, I mean, we talked about the opener. I talked about Darby and Daniel Garcia. But most of the matches on the show were a lot of fun. Even if they were not exceptional, they were good times they didn't overstay their welcome there wasn't a whole lot uh to it this match just was not it at all and it's something that with the final labor being next week in houston i guess it's just like at the end of this like what does mjf really get out of this defeating chris jericho other than saying like i beat you for good now like we're done here and Jericho doesn't get anything out of winning this feud here because it's a feud where he just kind of went and did a whole bunch of things for about a month and then beats up uh, MJF after all of that and then makes MJF look like shit because he can't beat someone that was in a death match three weeks previous to that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I left this for you because I've I've deleted the Chris Jericho match, I think, two out of the last three weeks or whatever. The... I mean, you know, the gauge match. I, I, I Jericho looked like crap. It was it was unbelievable. It was an unbelievable thing to watch on television. and It was awesome that he was so game to do all gauges shit in there. But I, I thought he looked awful in the Spears match. Uh, I thought he looked awful in the Hovie match. Uh, and yeah, this one was not any better. Uh, Sean Ross Sops, Sean Ross Sapp said his belt his belt broke uh, and that made his pants fall down. Which made Wardlow drop him at one point. He he couldn't get up for a power bomb, at one point. Um, yeah, he just he he seems beat up. He seems like he's been run pretty ragged by this schedule uh, that they've been on here, and it's it's weird. You know, I, the storyline is working. <laughs> the story the, the, the he's hugely over right now. The story is really over with most people. Uh, they kind of reinvigorated some of our interest in him as a character. And it's been, you know, some of the more consistent stuff that MJF has done. So it's unfortunate or it's weird, or it's something that that coincides with. This is the period where we're going to give away a Chris Jericho singles match on free television week after week after week. Uh, and he, it's also just his worst in ring period, maybe of all time. Um, so that's, you know, unfortunately, there were times in this promotion where it's like, no, Chris Jericho wrestling is a special thing. He might wrestle in a tag with Sammy Guevara or whatever. Uh, but when he wrestles a single match, it's going to be a big deal. Uh, now it's like, oh, Chris Jericho's wrestling a match every week and looking rough doing.
1: He's not looking good. Uh, I just think the problem of the whole thing was how they escalated it. I did. I liked the Sean Spears match. I'm pretty sure I said that. On the show, but it was, you know, a a nice start to uh, to this whole story. Then they came right out with the Nick Gage thing. And it's like that seemed like such an escalation. And I I don't think it's just because, you know, we're all big Nick Gage fans. And so that got us hyped up. But I mean, they did a, a whole ass death match on the television complete with light tubes And everything, and then you just show up the next week, and it's like just a shitty match with Juventud Guerrera. and there's like nowhere to go for this match with Wardlow, and yeah, they didn't do like a a really an interesting stipulation at all. It was just MJF was ringside, so that wasn't. I mean, at least you know the Hoovy match, he he had to do the the thing off the top rope to win, so you know that added some intrigue, but there was just nothing to this one at all. And as you were talking about. Mike, um, I did say on light, you know, that this was kind of the match that would decide whether this could be a great show versus a good show. And it, so it obviously failed in that, in that regard and ended up just being a, a pretty good show that I uh, probably won't remember much off of the show in a good way uh, at all going forward.
2: Yeah, I, if, if I'm going to do some work on behalf of the promotion or give them the benefit of the doubt here... You know, I'm not like not thrilled that they once again set this up so that they could give Wardlow another big loss. Uh, But they did maybe kind of sprinkle back in some idea that Wardlow and MJF are, you know, uh, at odds with each other because MJF said, Hey, you blew it against Cody. Nice continuity callback. You better go and get the job done against Jericho. He again fails. So maybe this, maybe this is finally building to the Wardlow and MJF uh, blow up. Um, yeah, I mean that could be a good next program for MJF. Uh, I, I don't know if they have the time or runway to elevate Wardlow to the next level. Like I think they should, but uh, th- there's an idea.
1: Yeah, you could also retcon these losses into Wardlow just saying, "Ah, fuck, I hated MJF anyway, so I didn't really care." <laughs> <You know? laughs> and it's like, okay, all right, well, right, let's move on from that. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not really worried about Wardlow. I just. Well, I'm worried from the in the sense that he could get forgotten about and left behind because of all the new people who have come in since him. Uh, So that's my only real concern. I'm not like I don't think they're burying him or like wasting him or whatever. I think it's a fine escalation of the character. I'm just worried that they're never going to take him to that top level where I think he could be because there's so much talent in the company.
2: Yeah, and I guess even them putting him as the last labor. Is, is they think should be an endorsement of him? Like, yeah, we, we put him through hell, but even you know facing Warlow is even a bigger deal than a death match with Nick Cage. You know that's that's uh, I think a, a solid idea. I don't know if it landed with the crowd or you know with the audience, but I, I understand the intent if that was the intent.
1: Okay, my turn. Here's my promise to the listeners: I'm not going to endlessly go on about how much I hate Christian every week from now. To all out. I don't want to do that. I don't think it's particularly compelling because I think most people agree with me that Christian is not very interesting. Uh, at least, I don't know, most of the people that I talk to. So maybe it's just a self selected group. So I don't want to go on about that. But let me say this I'm, I'm obviously deleting the whole Christian thing, but it's for this reason you have now set up. You have taken away the hottest match you have, which is Kenny Omega versus Hangman, and the hottest story you have, which is Hangman becoming AEW champion. And you've replaced that with a title match at your biggest pay-per-view, where there is zero doubt about who's going to win the match. He is a dead challenger. They're going to either have him beat Kenny for the impact title to, you know, to create some interest that way. Or, uh, you know, I figure they'll do a bunch of uh, interference and shit like they always do to set up a, everybody's barred from ringside match. And it's just him versus uh, Omega. And, you know, Omega's had to cheat to win every match of his, of his reign. So, but either way, regardless, I just cannot be convinced they are going to put, the world title on Christian Cage. I, I just don't think that's happening. I don't think anybody yeah. in the crowd's going to buy it. The crowd booed when they said that was the title match for All Out and started chanting for CM Punk. That's bad. <laughs> the AEW crowd goes along with whatever AEW feeds them, and they rejected this. So that's my concern. I'm going to stop bitching about Christian, but the the where they're going here, the pathway here is obviously uh, a failure.
2: Yeah, so... The the match is a, is a disappointment. Um, is, uh, do I want to call it a huge disappointment? I don't think I want to call it a huge disappointment, I guess, cause I I've already pre disappointed myself kind of expecting this would happen. Uh, it's a significant disappointment that this is the pay-per-view match. Um, especially attending the pay-per-view, um, you know, uh, and probably selling a lot of tickets with to people that thought they were getting Omega versus page. Um, the segment was was kind of a total success because uh, they kind of uh, made chicken salad out of chicken shit. Is that what Stone Cold says? Because like you like you said, th- this is not what the crowd wants. The crowd wanted Hangman. You could tell from the moment that Christian came out. Like the reaction he gets compared to Hangman is fractional. He gets like maybe half the reaction that Hangman gets. Maybe maybe two-fifths the reaction that Hangman gets. Um, So when that was announced to the crowd, because presumably they hadn't heard it on the broadcast, yeah, they booed because, I mean, Christian's got to be like a distant distant third at best. And, you know, I I wouldn't think that he's, you know, there's going to be plenty of other guys that guys would want to see go up against Omega. Uh, So, yeah, they booed. They did a huge chant for CM Punk. They want Punk or they want Hangman. Uh, So Christian is totally violating their expectations as they want the get. Um, shit. Who was it? I think it was Trevor Dame on Twitter was talking about basically Christian's run in this promotion so far. And I was like, yeah, he started off as an overhyped surprise. Cause that was the era uh, where everything was an overpromise <laughs> from AEW and Tony Khan. Uh, and then ever since then has just been a guy who's been put in situations where he's a disappointment as compared to what the crowd wants uh, from that, from that initial surprise. Um, to this now, it's like, no, you're not the guy we want, so we're going to boo you. But he did turn it around. He he threw whatever weird hometown Pittsburgh pop, not that it's his hometown, his local reference <laughs> Pittsburgh pop, uh, and then the weird wrench thrown in there of also I'm challenging for the Impact title before the title match uh, was was like so weird and unexpected that I just had to be like, oh, okay, now, now I have some questions as to where they're going and what's happening. Uh, and the crowd seemed into that match, I guess, because they get to see the match on Rampage in Pittsburgh. So they they found a way out of this, this hole or this corner that they painted themselves into by booking this disappointing pay-per-view match and managed to get a successful segment on television with the crowd uh, out of it and a title match that it seems like people are looking forward to and anticipating for Rampage out of it. Uh, but yeah, I'm still I'm still going to be down <laughs> when the pay per view comes around, and I'm sitting in my seat going, "Okay, I guess we see Christian challenge and lose." Now it's and you know a disappointment. Yeah.
3: And here is my kind of big problem with this. So the now arena is completely sold out, so there was no risk at losing tickets for it. But this is one of the Four shows a year that, you know, I try not to get too much into the money and like that now on the show and like ratings and like that that much. But this is one of the few shows a year that the majority of the revenue from it for them comes from pay-per-view buys because the pay-per-view ad split. Having Christian in a world title match after you built up Hangman... Uh, with the looming specters of both CM Punk and Brian Danielson, with how the remainder of the promotion is at this point, kind of the weakest thing you could present to someone who's going to be paying $50 in the United States or $20 through fight. And it's just underwhelming. And I do have to say, Christian, like it's a good thing that you had Christian, who's someone who's used to dealing with crowds for the last 30 years. So he was like, oh... The crowd isn't going for this. I'm going to make a Jag off comment because I know that that's a Yenzer slang and I can get over with that. And then immediately having Jurassic Express, like they knew that this was going to get this kind of response. That's why they immediately had Baltimore start playing and they made sure to have Baltimore play later on. And Kenny like made a reference to it there. But it's just something that, like, you're, you're headline your biggest show of the year something they are going to be forking over $50 to see a Kenny Omega world title match. And it's Christian would be, would not be surprised that there are certain people that are like, you know what, if it was Kenny versus X or Kenny versus Y or Kenny versus punk or Kenny versus Danielson, I would pay for this, but Christian, like, why would I want to see that match? And I feel like that that's a misstep and yeah, it's going to be something where there's a lot more other things that so we put on the show. And like the whole idea about punk in his hometown, having his first match in seven years is a appetizing thing for a lot of uh, consumers. But it, you know, I mean, it's not putting your best foot forward when you're going to be asking people to be making a, what, what for some people could be a significant financial investment. And I think that that's a, I think that that's a mistake.
1: Yeah. It's just weird. And, you know, I already saw people saying like, Oh, The impact thing is a twist. And so they're going to get out of the all-out match and still give us something better than this. Don't do that to yourself, folks. You are getting Christian versus Kenny Omega for the world title at all-out. Just accept it. Accept it. But but my thing about it is, I don't know. Why not have Christian earn it in like a... If you're going to do it, like in a, a way that is more... No, fuck it. There's no way to make this exciting. Never mind. It's Christian. The the only saving grace is if, I mean, CM Punk has to be on this show. He has to be on this show. It is a, a failure of epic proportions if the main event of this show is Kenny Omega versus Christian and CM Punk does not appear, does not wrestle on this show. It is an insane move on Tony Khan's part.
2: I wonder if, if they do see him punk versus Darby. It would be funny if they then followed that with Christian versus Omega. It would, it would, that'd be like a Jericho versus Triple H situation.
1: You have to. Punk has to be the main event. Omega is winning the title match.
2: Yeah, I think Punk does have to main event.
1: Punk has to. And, you know, you can do a tag match or something, like I, I think, to make it a little more, I don't know, add a little more action. Uh, to it, I mean, Punk is coming off of a seven-year layoff. You might want to give him uh, something oh, to help him out.
2: Sounds like he's been uh, looking very healthy on the set <laughs> of Heels, Aaron. <laughs> that's
1: what I've heard. I heard that he uh, worked out before working out with people, so that that's like when you know you tell your buddy you're going to start going to the gym with him, but you like go to the gym yourself a few weeks before, you know, so you don't embarrass yourself. That's the same thing, actually. Now that I think about it, it's just the same thing. It's not, even a, it's not even an analogy <laughs> Yeah I think uh, uh,
2: I don't know if this is a reference to anything But I there is, I think there is a The metaphor would be like You clean your house before the cleaning people come to clean your house right.
1: Yeah
2: But I don't know I don't know anybody who actually has cleaning people So I don't know if that's really a thing
1: Oh it's a thing but it for is, sure But it
2: is something I've heard before So
1: Yeah Listener Delete, uh, Marky Versace, a new patron. Let me tell you, folks, you sign up for this Patreon and you give us a, an Elite or Delete pick, I will pick you if, uh, in your first month. No doubt about it. Marky Versace, Delete, and this is just Nate, red meat right here. Alex Aberhates and his dumb red gloves.
2: Yeah, this seems like a very smart patron. Um, a, a credit to our, our community here that we've, that we've fostered at Everything Elite in the Discord. Um, yeah. I was happy. Pac shut him down. Pac was like, "No, actually, I don't. I I don't know if I speak Spanish or not, but I don't need you to translate this for me." Uh, I hope that was the the first seed planted to Alex Abrahantes going away from this group.
1: Speaking of gloves, in the world of sports, the off season is a time to relax and regroup after a hard fought season. But our friends at my bookie. Give you the choice to decide when your season begins and ends. Uh, Have no fear that some sports are over because you can bet on hundreds of games and leagues from around the world. Uh, Also, keep in mind that, you know, college football starts pretty soon. Uh, You start getting your futures picks in on college football. Uh, You can use pregame props or bet the game live to shift the odds in your favor and always come out on top. And not only does my bookie host exclusive sports betting contests you can't find with any other book, but the bonuses are insane. So if you use our promo code elite, you will receive up to $1,000 in bonus money when you make your first deposit. That's a thousand bucks in extra cash when you make your first deposit with my bookie using the promo code elite. Uh, You can bet anything, anytime, anywhere with my bookie. All right, let's run through the rest of the show from tonight. Uh, Of course, they started out with this MJF promo with Wardlow, talking about how, you know, even if you beat Wardlow, I'm still going to beat you, Jericho. And as Nate pointed out, MJF threw out there, uh, oh, you're going to beat him like you beat Cody in the cage. You better get the job done. Then we had the opening trios match with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks, defeating Matt and Mike Seidel and Dante Martin. Omega pinned Martin after a uh, combo move, the BTEV trigger. Uh, And then this was the point where Christian came out and they announced this match. And we also found out that uh, Jurassic Express will take on the Young Bucks next week on Dynamite. We got a Malachi Black pre-tape. He said a lot of evil, spooky things. The the line that I picked out was, Cody is lonely because he surrounds himself with people. I am lonely because I choose to be. I thought this was a good Malachi Black promo. I actually,
3: the I'm starting to turn the corner on Malachi Black. The uh, line that 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 he said that I really enjoyed it was he said that folks were arguing with God, and I was like, "All right, like this is what where we're going with this. I I'm down with it." You know, like they've done. Uh, he's really kind of become a little bit more understated. He's become a little bit less weird. It's not like the horse comments that he was making before. Like this is. Like Malachi Black, you know, given the last two weeks, I uh, just a huge win. And, you know, my mind is starting to change about it.
2: Yeah. As far as spooky promos, this was uh, pretty tolerable. And they, they had some nice continuity with the horse promo where now we have an explanation for why I took one boot because Cody was half retired. He's got one boot in the grave. Uh, and Malachi Black's going to, you know, finish the job of putting him down or something. Uh, so, yeah, I thought it was uh, surprisingly tolerable
1: we had a Miro pre-tape he says his next opponent is going to be Fuego del Sol who will get an AEW contract if he beats Miro Uh, he also says he was cleansed with pain and so will Fuego del Sol be
2: this so this is great for Fuego del Sol that Fuego del Sol you know keeps getting these opportunities and now he's getting a a big match on a rampage that's very cool Uh, but yeah it's these weird Little fixations that they get in the booking or whatever, where they just have to drive these things into the ground. It's like, yeah, okay. Uh, Fuego, I think, first got laid out by Miro backstage, maybe, and that got a big reaction to so are like, oh, well, let's do that again. So then Malachi Black lays out Fuego uh, the, the very next week. And now, third week in a row, it's like, no, okay, now Miro's going to kill Fuego in a match. Um, and it's the same thing with like 2.0, <laughs> Daniel Garcia, we're not in this promotion three weeks ago and now they're on every show now 2.0 has a huge match with sting. It's like, I, I, I don't know. I think, I think I must just see a shiny new toy and it'd be like, okay, I'm going to play with this and play with this and play with this until I get tired of it. Uh, then I'm going to put it on the back burner for five months.
1: Darby Allen versus Daniel Garcia, as, as mentioned, Darby won with the coffin drop and after the match sting beat up 2.0 Darby joined in to set up a tag match. Um, Then we had the Death Triangle backstage. They're mad about Andrade. Pac cuts off Alex, as as Nate said. Says, not to worry about Andrade and focus on the tag titles. And then Pac, Pac, now you made me do that, Nate. You said Pac. Good, I'm glad. He called out Andrade. And uh, I guess, well, we find out later that's happening at All Out. Uh, Orange Cassidy, Chuck Taylor, Wheeler Yuta versus Matt Hardy and Private Party. During the match, Nyla attacked Chris. Jack Evans attacked Orange. A hardy pinned utah with the twist of fate
3: i really the the thing about wheeler yuda that really i picked up on i love how lanky he is and he does like his shotgun drop kick and it looks like the lankiest drop kick ever it just it cracks me up each time i love the, the lanky boy drop gear.
2: Yeah, so they've plugged wheeler Utah in here um while well, trent's gone basically uh and the best friends are still like Orange Cassidy, a huge star, you know, Chuck Taylor, uh, you know, people who are still very fond of the best friends. But Trent was like the heart of that unit. I think I said at the time, like, we need some way into this team, like, emotionally. Uh, and and Trent, I think, kind of eventually got there, mostly because they brought his mom in and had Trent as his, his mom's good little boy or whatever. Uh, and now we've lost that again, because he's not around. It's like, I don't have you know, I'm sure it seems like a nice guy, but he's like not very like emotionally expressive. Uh, and, you know, Chuck's like half the time doing shtick or whatever. So it's like, I need, we need some way to, to get involved with best friends on, you know, that deeper
1: level uh, again. Andrade was backstage with Chavo and Tablet Man. Uh, they say Pac is very ungrateful. He should be careful what he wishes for. And Andrade challenges Pac for All Out. Big heat check.
3: I mean, between this and his match on Saturday, I feel like the the opinion on Andrade will be cemented, given how he is at Triple Mania and against Pack, who is insane. So, like, if you can't have good matches against Kenny Omega and Pack, then guess you're done.
2: Yeah, pretty much. Uh, <laughs> they do, they like to give Pack big singles matches at All Out, so that's cool that they do that every year uh, because I guess we should look at that as an acknowledgement. They're like, yeah, PAC is, is supposed to be one of our our big stars and is, you know, one of the best wrestlers in the world. Um, Already have seams between Andrade and Chavo Guerrero now (laughs) because everybody has to be getting together, splitting apart.
1: Uh, I will be withholding judgment on Andrade. I just want to be clear about that. Uh, Sometimes it takes a while to, to knock that stink off. Mm. So I'm gonna I'm gonna be patient mm. with Andrade. This
2: is this is this is very unusual.
1: I know, but yeah. I I'm just I'm uh, forecasting you're choosing, my patience. You're choosing to have
3: patience here.
1: I am. I usually uh choose violence, of course, but in this one scenario I will be choosing wow. patience. But
3: let's call a spade a spade. Are you choosing this to be the contrarian or are you actually expressing patience here?
1: No, I'm trying to do something that I'm not good at, which is learn from the past. And I think sometimes I think people should shake off the stink too quickly when they leave from stinky places like WWE. <laughs> and I think in the past, sometimes I've written people off and then they've figured it out. So I want to be patient with Andrade.
2: I laud your attempt at uh, at growth. and, Thank and- you. And- yeah.
1: Also, I just I like Andrade. I'm rooting for him to be good. So I'm giving myself a little blanket, a security blanket, if he's bad in these two matches. We got a Santana and Ortiz pre-tape where they said they're coming for blood over and over and over. Uh, So they've finally figured out a way to uh, heat up this this little feud here. I think this will be a fun match when they do it.
3: Yeah, and they are going to show that clip of Cash Wheeler each (laughs) week, and I'm just going to squirm because sure. I'm a wuss. But yeah.
2: I do I do not uh really have an expectation that the match will be significantly better the second time around. The I they, I think they've gotten all the blood from this stone that they can.
1: Well, they had to redo it. I mean, you know, the with him yeah, gushing like I mean, it's natural, but I'm just glad that they found something out of they got something out of FTR with this you know, promo wise. So if they can find a way to uh, take this and put it into their future programs, then everyone will be better off for it.
2: Yeah. I mean, I I guess I, I, so I think I said the exact opposite this week than I did last week. Uh, So I do, you know, I think the match will be better because we won't have a big injury in the middle of it. Uh, And they should also do it in Queens and Santana RT should go over. Uh, But yeah, in terms of my personal investment in, the story of this feud and everything. Uh, no, they're, they're not getting any more out of me. Like I, I understand what it is and I'm ready to, to get to the end of
1: it. We had Nyla Rose versus Chris Statlander. I was pretty uh, concerned about this match. Uh, Chris won with the area 451, but it totally uh, worked. I thought they went very quickly, but that was good. It was all big bumps and Chris got a clean win.
2: I was, uh, pretty impressed with chris i i was struck during this match thinking about when i saw chris wrestle i think a tag match maybe in hoffman estates uh and at that point she was like relatively new not just an AEW, but relatively new in wrestling on the nd scene as well uh and now you see you're her here and you don't you don't get any of that feeling that like oh she's you know she's green or she's new to this or you know she's not ready to have the bright lights and cameras on her at this point. It's like, no, she's a regular television performer. Uh, and she went out and got big reactions uh, and got a, a big win with a clean pin. Uh, and and that was, it's been a very positive uh, success seeing her sort of ascent here.
3: Sick 450 or Area 451,
1: Aaron. <laughs> I mean, it's not very often I get to correct Mike on moves, but this was a 451, Michael. One extra degree is all the difference, apparently. That's right. Yeah, that's how she won. Uh, The Young Bucks were backstage with Brandon Cutler. They said the evil EVPs struck again, so Hangman is out. Uh, And they said now they're going to beat Jurassic Express, and it's going to be easy as a layup. Nick goes in to shoot a layup, but Luchasaurus blocks it, and Jungle Boy dunks on him. Uh, Nick yells that that was a foul. Uh, Brandon Cutler helpfully points out that it was actually all ball.
2: This was very, you know, it's like, oh, these guys, you can tell that they've had a weekly comedic vlog series for, you know, however many years it's been at this point. Uh, It's like, oh, they did a great little backstage pre-tape promo last week, and now they do sort of a comedic inversion of that to set up their babyface challengers. What a great little vlog booking they did here. Very cute.
3: I thought that the whole thing of Luchasaurus thing, kind of doing the the Kimbe Matumbo afterwards was hilarious, and you know, I thought I I just like this complete act now. Like the elite, as that they've really come into their own. Like everyone kind of has their own thing. Like Brandon Cutler over this over today, really like low key like wouldn't call him MVP of the night. But if we're going to be hockey and name like the three stars of the night here, probably would be a third star here between between this and the way that he sold getting punched in the face by Colt Cabana, like just tremendous stuff.
1: There was a Red Velvet pre-tape building up to the match with Britt. I thought this was uh, nicely done. Uh, And then that led right into Britt Baker coming out and doing the promo that I've already put over. And of course, Red Velvet attacked afterward uh, to uh, the great uh, discontent of the Pittsburgh crowd. Then we got a video for Starks and Cage. Uh, Maybe they're going to wrestle next week. Maybe they're just going to face off next week, but they're going to be in the same general area next week.
2: Yeah, this is like the, the FTR feud to me, where this whole feud seems like it's crammed into these little videos that they rush on there before an ad break or whatever. And it's like, well, I just, you know, I appreciate they're trying to really get the most out of their time, but it does seem like it just makes it feel less important. Uh, and yeah, like, like I said last week, just not, not into this cage baby face thing anyway.
3: It's just like, there always has to be like some feud in this company that just has no, has like no steam to it, and this feud now kind of feels that way, and it stinks for me because how much I enjoy Team Taz, and it was like the perfect position for Brian Cage, and then Nate, as you've brought up weeks before, like you, you now put Brian Cage in the one scenario you don't want to put Brian Cage in, which is cutting constant promos, and it's just like okay. Ricky Starks, one of my favorite people in the company, has a title now, and I'm just kind of sitting around going, okay, whatever, I can't be enthused about this whatsoever.
1: Then we had uh, the Impact tag titles defended on this show, with the Good Brothers defeating Evil Unknowns. Stu Grayson, uh, Machine Gun Carl Anderson pinned Grayson after the Magic Killer after cheating.
2: I, I didn't even understand the overbooked cheating in this match, like gallows threw a belt in to distract the ref but then it's not he was he was in the match so it's not like he couldn't have gone and pushed the guy off the turnbuckle anyway like all the tag matches break down like that in the first place so it's like why does he need to distract the ref to hit his opponent and break up the did not understand it uh just just felt like more confusing outside distraction interference stuff but yeah this is what i'm you know this i think would have been the spot to do like a big sort of uplifting win for the crowd where it's kind of been a down getting heat uh, evening. Otherwise, I, I was hoping that the
1: Dark Order would win and, and they lost. They lost. Then we got a Camille Brickhouse pre-tape for her match versus Layla Hirsch on NWA Power. Uh, this got <laughs> more time and more attention than any New Japan match featuring an AEW person or Impact match featuring an AEW person
2: i don't think that's true i think
1: oh come on it
2: is yuji nagata had uh multiple video packages yeah
1: yeah i mean a match that was on a new japan show oh Uh, okay uh, sure
3: kenta i mean building up the iwgp u.s title match i mean they had constant
1: stuff there for that and that was on strong did they ever say what the date of the match was or or what show it was happening on
2: they, they did yeah. say it was on NJPW world or on strong or whatever. Yeah, but I, I do, it did kind of jump out of you that it's like, you know, they never promote impact they never promote AAA even when they have. Kenny Omega holding those titles. There's and probably, this,
3: there's probably a good reason for that.
2: Though. Yeah. And this, they did a big push for, uh, which felt out of step with the other ones. Uh, but it, they, you know, it was also the first time we saw the impact tag titles. So it seemed like kind of a conscious shift.
1: Uh, QT Marshall and Aaron Solo are with Tony. QT wanted an apology from Tony. So they shifted, you know, the idea here that QT would be apologizing. They dragged Tony's son, Chris Schiavone, out of the crowd. Beat him up. No more BS Paul White comes to the ring. Uh, he pushes Solo. No, QT pushes Solo to no more BS Paul White. Solo eats a choke slam. No more BS Paul White stares down QT. We already talked about this. Uh, and then the main event, Chris Jericho versus Wardlow. Jericho won with the Judas effect after hitting Wardlow with his bat. Uh, Sean Spears attacked Jericho. Sammy made the save, gets the worst of it. Jake Hager makes the double save. Uh, MJF says, you might have gotten the rematch, but you didn't know my stipulations. Next week, no Judas effect, no Judas music. If you hit me with the Judas effect, I automatically win.
2: Yeah, fine step. Uh, do you think they're going to try and... Uh, you know, astroturf the crowd to have the crowd organically sing Judas as he comes out for his entrance—is that the move here?
1: No doubt, one hundred percent. Hand out
2: hand out lyric sheets like it's uh, like their fan chance at a K-pop concert.
1: Yes, absolutely.
3: I actually kind of like the idea that MJF learned from the Moxley match where he tried to ban the paradigm shift and. It didn't work out because the referee didn't see it. Now it's just automatic. If you do it, it counts as a loss. I kind of, that's actually showing growth here. And I kind of like that that's happening. That's like my one positive about all this.
2: I did forget about, yeah, that he, that he did do this story before. Um, yeah, that's funny. All
1: right, well, that was Dynamite for this week. If you enjoy our show, the best way to support us is to go over to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe. We have revamped the Patreon. It's now the best place in the world for coverage of everything aew does of course we cover dynamite on this show over on the patreon we've got a show that previews dynamite and uh recaps what's happened on dark elevation and on bte sometimes even other vlogs uh we also are adding a new show on the weekends which will be called world tour and it will be a rampage breakdown Uh, Of course, we also do pay-per-view instant reactions. We do pay-per-view retrospectives. We cover everything AW does on the Patreon. Uh, This week we also had a bonus show, as we sometimes do, from our good friend Mike Spears. Uh, It's been very well received. We've gotten a lot of uh, good reactions to it. Uh, Mike's tea break talking about the uh, perhaps impending end of the Performance Center era.
3: Yeah, that was something that we still are doing two bonus shows and with everything that happened on Friday and more things that came out, I just made my, I grabbed a can of tea and just talked about the history, uh, developmental process in WWE and how this is the end and how this was always going to happen. And I'm thanks to everyone for the kind words and I hope that everyone likes it. It seems like people do. So, yeah,
1: absolutely. They do. Uh, we also have a discord. If you join, uh, at the 5 or $8 tier, you'll be in the Discord. The big thing to the $8 tier is you get uh, this show, Everything Elite, uh, live on Wednesday nights immediately after Dynamite. You also get access to the replay. Uh, I don't know. Into Infinity, as far as I know. So, um, yeah. Patreon.com slash Everything Elite. Sign up. next. No, not next week. In two days on Rampage. Uh, We're going to have the debut of Rampage in Pittsburgh. We're going to have the main event for the Women's World title, Britt Baker versus Red Velvet. For the Impact title, Kenny Omega versus Christian. For the TNT title, Miro versus Fuego Del Sol. And also Jurassic Express versus the Young Bucks. No, that's on on Dynamite the next week. Uh, On Dynamite in Houston, we have that match. We also have Sean Spears versus Sammy Guevara. Plus, Sammy will make a major announcement. And a Texas Tornado tag darby allen and sting versus 2.0 that just means you don't have to tag in right yeah, I mean, yeah both no guys are really cool. Mm-hmm. so yeah uh so there's gonna be a, a lot more you know content coming up soon make sure you're subscribed to the patreon so you get those rampage uh shows that we'll be doing uh anything stand out from from those two shows gentlemen I just
3: think it's wild that 2.0 is on national TV or international TV and is in a Texas tornado match against Sting. Just the world we l- we're living in is just
1: insane. It is. All right. Well, I guess that's it for this week. Uh, then make sure you're following us on Twitter at everything AEW. I'm at Aaron Light like the Car. Nate's at Epitasis. Mike's at Fuji Heya. Subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five star rating. Interview if you want to support the show. The best ways to do so are to go to patreon.com slash everything elite and subscribe. Use the promo code thisis at manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping or use the promo code elite at mybookie.ag to get up to $1,000 in bonus money when you make your first deposit. For Mike, for Nate, I'm Aaron. We'll see you next week.